Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm um, here to continue our next sermon in our series called Offensive Faith. If you're seeing that for the first time, you may think that looks offensive instead of offensive, but uh, we're looking at offensive versus defensive is, is the title of this. And today's message is this, exercising the authority of Jesus. So what we've looked at over the course of this offensive faith is a mindset that God has designed us and given us the power to live on the proactive side of things. Instead of looking to react to what the enemy does when he advances toward us, when he attacks us spiritually, we are to be proactive in pursuing God's kingdom in a way that limits and many times will just render the enemy powerless. So today we're talking about the authority of Jesus. And so to give a little bit of context of where we've come from, remember two weeks ago we talked about this was the main prayer that I encouraged all of us to pray throughout the day is, God, I want you to be glorified in all areas of my life. This is a great prayer to pray all the time. It reminds us that in everything, my work, my play, my family, everything, my, all my relationships, God, I want you, how can you be glorified in this area? How can you be glorified in all areas of my life. I want that, Lord, and that helps us be pure so that we don't see the the power that God gives us as something for us to use for our own advantage, but we use that to bring glory to God. So it keeps our heart in check. The first week, so we talked about the power of saying these names when we have spiritual warfare, saying these words, uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get back. And so this was the Really cool illustration. I love the, the video. I wasn't showing the video, but I told you the story of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who unfortunately got hurt like the next night on Monday Night Football. But he did something in practice where he was commanding the offense to go and attack the defense, and it was another team. It wasn't even his own team. It was an inter-squad practice. And the linebacker was, was coming up to the line of scrimmage like he was going to blitz. He was going to put more defenders in one area than they had enough offensive players to, to handle it. And so he was threatening. He was acting like he was going to do it. And Aaron Rodgers, very calmly and cool, collected all those things. He just looked over at the guy threatening. He says, you're not coming. Back up. And he went ahead and called the play and said hut, and the guy backed up. It was so cool. He was just calm. And so that's another thing, too, that spiritual warfare as we go into this realm is not something that's chaotic. It's not something that has to be Uh, disheveled or uncontrolled, but it's calm, and it's resting in the authority of who Jesus is. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can tell the the demons who are after us, the evil spirits that are attacking us, we can say, get back. You don't belong here. This is Jesus' house. This is the temple of God, and you have no authority here. And then, again, offensive versus defensive. We saw last week that there are scriptures, sometimes in the same psalm, that will be defensive, like, God, go and get them, because, or not go and get them, but God, help me because I'm being hurt. I'm being tormented. Help me in my pain, in my affliction. That's a defensive prayer. That's a defensive faith. And it's fine. It's good. There's, I'm not saying it's bad at all. It's good. It's proper for us to do that. We're just saying that there's another side of the coin. 
There's another side that's offensive. And so this one is we don't wait for the attacks to come. We go, we say, God, torment the tormentors and chase away the ones who are trying to bring me down. So offensive versus defensive. So this week we're talking about exercising the authority of Jesus. So according to Scripture, a Christian's authority. So if you are a believer in Christ, you have authority over demonic spirits and that authority is delegated by Jesus Christ to everyone who believes in Him. Everyone whose name is written in heaven is empowered with this authority. Everyone who is saved is sealed with the Holy Spirit, the guarantor of our inheritance. We're positionally, we're made members of body, the body of Christ. As that this might be a little new or at least refreshing, like I hadn't heard that in a while or whatever. But as a member of the body of Christ, we are also seated with Christ. And where He is is where we are positionally. And He is above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age to come, or not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So He's got tremendous authority. And I want us to be able to make sure that we exercise that authority properly. In Luke chapter 10 is where we, the main verse today uh, that highlights the authority. And we're going to go be in Luke 10 and we're going to be in Ephesians 1 in those two sections. The first one is in Luke 10, which is a powerful verse, a uh, section of Scripture, where Jesus had, the context of this is He just sent out 72 of His disciples. And he sent them out two by two, and he says, I want you to go, and I want you to cast out demons and do healings and all these things. So they go out, and guess what? They did those things. The things that he said he wanted to do, they went out and did that, and they came back and they were rejoicing. They were like, Jesus, this is awesome. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And so his, his response was this right here. He replied to them, to their excitement. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And we talked about this in the first week too, that there is a demonic spiritual warfare that's always going on. There's a war going on, and the devil's goal is not to make your life difficult. It's not to throw a, a, a cog in the wheel. It's not to just kind of put you know, issues in your life. The devil's goal is very clear. He desires to destroy you. So this is not something we should just take lightly and say, all right, well, you know, there is going to be warfare. No, we need to understand that there is a powerful enemy who desires to destroy us. In the same hand, once we know that, on the other hand, excuse me, we also know that Christ has the authority over that. So it's not something we should live in fear of, but we should have a healthy, healthy understanding that it's there. On our own power, we will lose the battle. With Christ, we will never lose. So there's this demonic presence. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And here's what he says to his disciples. He says, I have given you authority to trample. Now that's a strong word, isn't it? It's not like I've given you a, a, authority and you're going to win at the end of the game in overtime. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So he says, I've given you the power to trample on snakes and scorpions. And if you're thinking literal here, 
He's not being literal. He's talking about demonic spirits here. This is what those were correlated in that time were uh, snakes and scorpions. He said, I've given you power over the evil spirits to trample over them. And not only that, but to overcome all the power of the enemy. So there's nothing that will harm you. I've given you this power. And where I struggle is living in that power. Anybody else? Sometimes you just feel like you're just getting beaten up. Well, maybe we're getting beaten up, not because God is mad at us. Side note, there are times when we go through God's discipline. We talked about that too, that there are times when God disciplines us and either allows or puts things on us to draw us back to Him, but it's done from a loving perspective. So even then, He's not mad at us. He's drawing us back to Him, and sometimes He has to give us what we ask for in order to let us come back to Him. So what I'm saying is that that nothing will harm us. It's like God gives us this authority to do that. So maybe sometimes we're getting kicked around because we believe that the enemy is more powerful than Jesus. We would never say that out loud. Of course Jesus is more powerful. But I think where a lot of us disconnect is where we think, yeah, I know Jesus is more powerful. I know He can do this, but I just don't know that He will. I don't know that He will for me. I don't know that I'm good enough. I don't know that I've lived the life that I need to live in order to unlock God's blessings and favor in my life and to have that victory. There's some truth to that. Like There are ways when we're obedient to Christ, He can give us more of His good stuff. Like if my heart truly is, God, I want you to be glorified in every area of my life, that sets me up to be able to receive some blessings because it won't corrupt me. If I'm using God as a vending machine, like I want this and this and that, then He's probably not going to give me that because it would probably ruin me. But God has given us this power. So how do we unlock that? He, and He gives them a heart check. He says, I've given you this power. Look at this. Let me... I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, Satan himself, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. I've given you that power. Nothing will harm you. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. And then he says, However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Like, don't rejoice in this power, this authority that I've given you. Because that's gonna, that can corrupt you. You get power hungry. He says, But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the fact that I have written your name in heaven and you belong to me. Rejoice in that. Execute or exercise, yeah, execute the authority God's given you. We execute judgments. We execute the authority. Go out and live this out, but rejoice. Find your delight that your name is written in heaven. Find your delight that you are with me. So the first thing is, number one, Jesus' authority is delegated to us. We are His delegates. You have, as a follower of Christ, the authority of Christ. And what we're working out over these few weeks is how do we exercise that authority? How do we walk in victory? I've talked to a couple of people already through this sermon series that are experiencing some victories in their lives. And it's exciting. I didn't, I didn't realize it was having the impact on them until they told me. Um, but they're saying, I'm praying these prayers. I'm praying these psalms. And I am praying with offensive faith. And I am seeing breakthroughs that I thought never would happen. And I'm like, that's awesome, because I'm experiencing some of those things myself too. But it's a constant thing to be delegated God's authority. So Jesus' authority is delegated to us. He gives it to us to use responsibly. The second one is this. As you understand that authority is ours and given to us, 
Remember to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's, there's, two, there's five points today. We're going to go through them pretty quick. But the second one is this. Rejoice in your name being written in heaven. Find your delight in that, which goes back to the prayer. God, I want you to be glorified in every area of my life. It keeps our heart pure. I'm rejoicing in the fact that I'm safe, that I'm, I belong, I'm accepted, I'm chosen, I'm, my name is written in heaven, and I'm going to find my delight, my rejoicing in that. So now we're going to shift over and cover the other points. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's, it's a very powerful letter, six chapters, doesn't take that long to read. Uh, we're going to look at the first chapter and the second one today, or some verses in those first two. But this is what he says to them. He says, and you, and he's speaking to Christians here, so he's writing a letter to Christians, and you as Christians also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel, which means the good news, the good news of your salvation. My name's written in heaven. You were included in Christ. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. So a few things here. You are included in Christ. So we are with Him. And so His authority is not separate from Him. It's not like, I'm giving you the authority, and now go and do on your own. He's giving us the authority, and then He's with us. We are in Him. And so when you feel like you're down and unworthy from because you've messed up, it's, it's super easy to get out of that. All you do is say, Lord, I messed up. I sinned against you. Please forgive me. And as soon as you come to Him and ask that, you are, you're forgiven fully. And you're accepted in. You're accepted in because of what Christ has done for you. It's a trap that we can fall into to think, all right, I did that before. I asked forgiveness. I better not do it again. Well, I hope you wouldn't do it again, but chances are you're going to do something else again. You know, you're not going to live perfectly. So we keep a short account with sin and we confess to God and we remind ourselves my standing before God. The reason my name is written in heaven is because I confess Jesus as Lord and realize I can't do anything to earn my salvation. And when Jesus is Lord, it trumps everything else. That's, that's the key. I'm included in Christ. When I heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believe, so at the moment you believed in Christ, God gave you His Holy Spirit. What we do from that point is figuring out how to live by the power of the Spirit. There's things to learn about that. But we're given the Spirit at that moment as a seal to, to, show, to show that we belong to Jesus. He's the promised Holy Spirit. And He's also, who is this next verse, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. We are saved. This is number three. We are saved and sealed when we believe. Number three. We are saved, secure, safe. It's like if you're marking yourself safe from the floods this week on Facebook. If I'm marking myself safe from the floods, um, I'm safe. I don't have to worry about this any longer. And I am sealed by the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And that happens when I believe in Jesus. It happens then. It doesn't happen later on. It's not a, a, a degree you have to work for. 
That happens, and that's who we are in Christ. Moving forward a little bit further down in chapter 1, verses 18 and following, we're going to read about six verses here. This is a prayer that Paul has for the people at Ephesus, and it's a wonderful prayer, and this is what he says. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. So what he's saying is, there is so much going on here that God's given to you, but you're not seeing it. And so I want your eyes to be enlightened so that you can see just how good and how powerful God is. This spiritual warfare, this offensive faith that we're talking about, for me has been that process of, whoa, I didn't have a clue that I didn't have to answer to the enemy's attacks. Like, I didn't have this clue that I could just, at the beginning of the day and throughout the day, say, Lord, go before me and contend with those who are contending with me, torment my tormentors, and I could, in the name of Jesus, send away the demons from around me. Like, that seems strange to me. I didn't grow up that way. But this has been enlightening to understand there is, in fact, I mean, either the Word of God is true or it's not. And if he says that there is a spiritual warfare happening and that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, then maybe I should pay attention to that part of Scripture. And maybe I should pray supernaturally, which we talked about last week, a supernatural weapons that God gives us. And so I'm praying that your eyes will be enlightened in order that you will know. Not this, this know is like this intimate knowledge of, that you would know the hope to which He has called you. You would never lose hope if you really understood who Christ is. You won't lose hope. So we need to be enlightened to who He is, to the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us. I underline those right there because that's so key to what we're talking about in offensive faith. His incomparably great power for us who believe. This power, this authority that Jesus has given to His church. It's incomparable. And He says, He goes even a step further, and this is a little hard to believe sometimes. I have to make myself think, wow, that's awesome. He says, that same power, that power that you have through Christ is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead. That's awesome, isn't it? The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within those who believe in Christ. That raised Him from the dead, and then not only just raised Him from the dead, but seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name, this is Jesus, above every name that's invoked, He's far above that, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And He doesn't stop there. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church, which is His body. And this is where we come to our fourth point, that we are members of Christ's body. This is the fourth point. We are members of Christ's body. Yeah, we're the body of Christ. What does that mean? 
Well, it means a lot more than we often give it credit. So going back to that, head over the church, which is Christ's body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So Christ is manifest in His body, the church. So there's this power that God has in and for the church, that He's calling us to execute, to exercise this authority that He has. We are members of His body. And if we as members of His body are praying, God, I want you to be glorified in every area of my life, we're going to start experiencing more of His power. We're going to start experiencing more of His power in our daily lives as we realize, I don't have to answer to the enemy's charges any longer. No, get back. Get away from me in the name of Jesus. Be gone. I don't answer to you anymore because I am a member of Christ's body. And the fifth one is, is this. We are seated with Christ. So where is He today? He is seated at the right hand of God. A position of power and authority that we just talked about earlier in these other ones. That He's far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked. Not only in this present age, now is He reigning, but also in the one to come. He's, all things are under Jesus' feet. He's appointed to be head of the church. This is who He is. And in verse two, or excuse me, chapter two, verse six, it says, "And God raised us up with Christ." This is verse two six in Ephesians. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ. So this is where the spiritual warfare, the spiritual understanding comes. Obviously, we're not up in heaven somewhere in the sky, which. Technically, that's not where heaven is anyway. It's a, it's a whole different realm. It's not just like up there in the clouds floating around. That's a misunderstanding of what heaven is. Positionally, we are seated with Christ, which means that Satan is trampled under my foot, that he has no authority. Because it's not Daniel who's powerful. Who is it that's powerful? It's Jesus. It's his authority. And his authority, when he's my Lord, is my authority. It can't be disconnected. It's not an authority I can go out and use and abuse. In fact, there were people in the book of Acts that tried to do that. You remember those folks? They tried to use the name of Jesus. They weren't doing it the right way because they were trying to, to, to promote themselves and they ended up losing all their clothes and being beaten up and ran off ashamed and naked and afraid and ashamed. So that was the first naked and afraid. Is there a show called Naked and Afraid or something? Okay. Yeah, that was them. They, got, they were like... They answered the demon says, yeah, we know who Jesus is. We know who Paul is, but we don't have a clue who you are. And they're like, smack, smack, smack. It's like the old Batman, pow, boom, biff. Um, and so they were, they were just, they were overwhelmed. And so we need to understand if we are on our own, we will face that same demise that they did. But because of who Christ is and because of our confession of Him, we're not alone. So positionally, we have a seat of authority that has been given to us, and it's our job to exercise that. The authority Jesus has is far more powerful than we can even comprehend. But I hope that through these scriptures we can say, wow, Jesus really is awesome. And we really can understand that He will never lose a battle. And if I really believe, this is where I want to end it. If you really believe that Jesus will never lose a battle, 
If you really believe that He is who He says He is, that He's seated at the right hand of God, there is only one God, there is no name other than Jesus, there is no one other more powerful than Him. If He really is that powerful, then what does that mean for your life when you call on the name of Jesus? In the name of the Lord Jesus... I'm getting teared up here, sorry. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get away from me. Stop tormenting me. You have no authority here. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, depression be gone. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, anxiety, you have no business here any longer. In the name of, did I say the name of depression? Did I say something wrong again? I did it again. Did, no? I said it right? Okay, good. I'm going to keep going. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that I will no longer feel alone and isolated. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare victory in my life. I'm no longer defeated. So this is such a powerful weapon, and it is crucial in your prayer life to pray these things out loud. God hears your inner thoughts, your inner prayers. That's fine. But when you're praying your thoughts, the enemy can't hear them. He can't read your mind. He, can't, he can try to attack you there, but he, can't, he doesn't have that same power that God does. So speak this victory over your lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, go and contend. Send your angels. I love that verse. I'm going to come back to that probably every week. Chase them down the street with your angels. Just shame them. Don't even let them look my way. And walk in victory. Decide in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to walk in victory and you will exercise the authority of Jesus in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for the power that you have that when we say your name, uh, Lord, uh, it, is, it is powerful. It is something that the enemy will never be able to overwhelm. You are the strength. You are the, the one true God that has real authority in this world. And so, Lord, we bless you. We come in the name of Jesus and we ask that you would help us to walk in victory in ways that we didn't think possible. But today is a step forward for all of us that we, are, we understand that we're seated with you in that position of authority. And Lord, we want all the glory in every area of our lives to go to you. I pray that that would be our heart's cry, that we really do want you to have all authority, um, excuse me, all the glory, all the glory in every area of our life. And we pray, Lord, for victory to be claimed on our end because it's there. We don't have to ask for you to bring the victory. You've already brought the victory. You have shamed Satan. You shamed shame at the cross. And so, Lord, we bless you. And I pray that we would exercise your authority for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.